Uh, We are in a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I've shown you this every single week, but it's based on this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Uh, This is a book that I started to read... um, just personally, it wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with the series. It didn't have anything to do with ministry. It's just something that I read because I believed I needed it, and so it kind of grew into something. As soon as I uh, got into the meat of it, I knew it was going to be something uh, that I would just invite you guys along with uh, me on it. I think that in a lot of ways, uh, people end up getting pulled out of church community and Christian community not because of anything that they have problems with God or anything, but it's, um, they're not able to maintain healthy relationships, and they're not able to uh, maintain healthy internal states. And so I just think, even though in a lot of ways you might think, well, this is kind of a secular thing to do is just to point at yourself um, for a series. I just think it's important for all of us, and so I'm inviting you guys to go on this journey with me, uh, just five weeks, something like that, but um, looking at your own internal uh, health. Uh, And tonight is probably, I'm going to say it like this, without overselling it, this is probably the, the teaching in the book that once I read this, I knew I needed to bring it to um, outlet. So I'm really excited. It's called Rest. Um, and so before we get into the text, I just want to say this. I don't know if you know this, but we all have limits. Uh, even you type A personalities that don't want to say that you have any, any limits. You have uh, limits, and I would say specific, uh, specifically a limit that we all share is the limit of time. Time is the one thing that we can't make more of. So time, you can't buy more time, you can't steal time, you can't trade time. There's 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 52 weeks in a year, and no matter how you play your cards, you're not likely to get more than about 100 of those. And so we all have kind of like this complex relationship with time. This past week, I don't know why, but I was thinking, I was thinking like, you know how you kind of think like the, the whole you know, sand thing where it's just like the sign. I, I actually got more morbid than that this past week. And I was thinking, as soon as you're born, like you have, your heart has a certain amount of beats and there's just no way to know how many beats you have. You know what I mean? And so I just think that we all have kind of like this love-hate relationship um, with time. And I think oftentimes what people do to kind of counteract that is they end up just cramming as much stuff as they can into their schedule. In fact, if I were to go uh, to any of you after Outlet, probably the chances are if I was to say, hey, how are you doing? You would probably respond with something like this. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just what? So busy. I'm just so incredibly busy. Uh, The 40-hour work week is a thing of the past. And all these devices that we have in our pockets that kind of like make us more productive, I think they do probably make us a little bit more productive, but in another sense, what they do is they they end up just making it to where we can carry our work with us every moment of every day. I'll tell you, for me personally, I'm the executive pastor of this church outlet. It's just one of the things that I do here. And if I, if I don't watch it, uh, there will be a long time. Like I won't go a single hour without getting a text or sending a text um, in the context of something that has to do um, with work. And so the office used to be like this place where you like had to go, but now the office is this place that you can just, or just this thing that you can carry with you uh, everywhere you go. In fact, if you read uh, some of the writings of the social theorists in the 1960s, well, they all, they all theorized that by this time in civilization that we would all be working part-time, uh, living the majority of our life in leisure. Uh, meanwhile, here we are, like, working longer hours than we ever have before, um, doing more. I think, like, we're consumed not only with work but also with play where we're just always going, we're always moving, we're always uh, changing. We fill our life to capacity, and maybe for a lot of us, over capacity with our job and email and friends and church and sports and TV and music and family. Like we speed our lives up to like this crazy pace and we don't realize that what we're doing in the process is we're making ourselves really emotionally unhealthy. Um, busyness, I think, has a way of going past your schedule and becoming um, a part of your identity. That you have a way of seeing yourself and the things that you do as one and the same. Um, And tonight, I want to talk about kind of the busyness in our culture, but also like this beautiful idea of rest and this concept in the Bible that is called the Sabbath. 
And just to be super vulnerable with you, this is a, a, um, a journey that my wife and I started, I guess a couple years ago, if you guys know my wife and I, we kind of shifted, I guess maybe a year and a half back, something like that, to where we said that Friday for us was the Sabbath. So I used to have all these things that I did on Friday, we would go to the gym, like that all ended. And Friday is like our sacred day. And just to, to not to oversell it, I would say this, that in our marriage, um, Friday's our Sabbath is one of the greatest things. It's one of the greatest blessings, one of the greatest things that we enjoy um, together as a couple. Genesis chapter one, uh, verse one, if you've got your Bible, of course, this is the very beginning of the Bible. Familiar text to most of you, it says this, and if you don't have it, of course, I've got the words for you on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then jump down to verse 31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So for six days, God is busting his butt. Um, in work, he creates, he creates the heavens, he creates the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, animals, birds, fish, and finally uh, mankind. And then Genesis chapter two, verse one says this, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day, God had finished, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So it's an amazing idea that God comes and God works for six days. And what's really crazy is this, that God, after six days of work, he rests. I think that's, just let that sink in. Like God rests after six days of work. It's not that God is tired. It's in the Hebrew, it's this word uh, Shabbat, uh, it's where we get the word Sabbath. Uh, it basically means this to rest and to cease and to be done. The idea is kind of like after a long day's work, you would get home and you would like lay, lay on the couch and, and like crack open a beer if that's the kind of thing you're into and then just like appreciate, appreciate all the amazing work uh, that you've done. In fact, Shabbat can be translated to celebrate. It's, a, it's an interesting idea that there's this entire day that's set aside simply to celebrate, to celebrate the beautiful world that God has put on the, um, us on, to celebrate our wonderful family and our friends, to celebrate uh, the one beautiful and wild life that God has given us, and maybe probably most of all, to delight um, in God himself. So God works. It's an amazing idea that God works for six days and then he rests for one. And in doing that, he sets an example for all of mankind, that we are to be people who are in a state of working and then resting, and then working and then resting, and then working and then resting. Notice this uh, in the scripture. Uh, two quick things. Number one is this. Notice that God blesses the seventh day. In the creation story, God blesses three things. He blesses the animals, he blesses human beings, and then he blesses uh, the Sabbath. And so with animals and humans, it's interesting and kind of straightforward because the blessing is essentially the ability to procreate. He's giving them the ability to procreate. So when he blesses the animals, he says this, be fruitful and what? Multiply. And then when he blesses Adam and Eve, he says this, be fruitful and multiply. And so the blessing in the creation story is the ability to, listen it like this, it's the ability to produce life. And so the third thing that God blesses, it's the same word, is the Sabbath. And so you could say it like this, the Sabbath has the ability to produce more life. All three of the things that are blessed in the creation narrative all have the ability to produce more life. Because how many people know uh, here, like life can be kind of draining? You know what I mean? Like even, even if everything is good, like even, even when your work is great and you're so happy and your family life is great and you love like all these sports that you do, like even then, like life can just be draining and work especially can be really draining. I love my job. I do, but I'm still kind of trying to work through all of the stuff about being healthy and how to be healthy. Uh, the other week, I guess it was the week before last, I had just been putting off meetings. So I finally said, all right, I'm gonna meet with the people who are wanting to meet with me. And one Wednesday came and I had five meetings. 
on a Wednesday. And if you don't know, in the pastoral business, that's just too many. I told the pastors that they were horrified. Um, but I went home after meeting with five different people on that same day, and I was utterly um, exhausted. And, and the reality is this, even if you love your job, work drains you while rest fills you. And you might be thinking, not me, not me. Like, I love my work. I'm so, I'm so uh, filled up by my job. Like, I totally hear you. You're just wrong. <laughs> There's just no possible way. Like, you, think about, you can think about it like this. You can think about it like working out. A lot of people find working out, like, very energizing. And so they're like, eh, it's not depleting for me. We'll try doing it for 48 hours straight. It's impossible. It's because, because working out is depleting in the same way that work is depleting. Rest fills you, and so rest is life-giving. Um, and the, you might be thinking, why? The reason is this, because God blessed the Sabbath. And there's something, there's not just a biological need for rest, which of course there is. There's also a spiritual reality that God blesses for us the state of rest. Um, and number two is this, notice that God makes it holy which is an interesting, it's interesting that the first time we encounter the word holy in the Bible, it's right here when he's talking about the Sabbath being holy. It's the first time we see that word. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. I just think that's fascinating. And so if you were to ask yourself this question, if you were to read the creation narrative and ask yourself this question, like what does God make holy? The answer would be this, time. Uh, God makes holy a particular day in the week. See, if you, if you were to go like into the ancient Near East, well, the gods, of course, they would be found not in time, but they would be found in space. So uh, like they would be found in a specific location. The gods would be found in a shrine or um, at a temple or in a cave or on a mountain, or by a spring. And so if you were reading Genesis in the ancient Near East, you would expect God, after he works for six days, you would expect him as the climax to like make a holy temple, or like construct this shrine to memorialize uh, the event. Instead, what God does, he creates a holy day. And so he creates holy space, not in the physical realm, but in the realm of time. Abraham Joshua Heschel, he's an awesome rabbi who I love. He wrote a really quick book on um, the Sabbath. He says this, he's just so brilliant. Two quotes, he says this, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals, the Jewish equivalent of sacred architecture. Or he says this, the meaning of the Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. It's, it's an amazing, ch amazingly challenging idea that I think evangelical Christianity doesn't give a lot of time to or a lot of um, notice to in a way that I think um, they should. And so I just have a few statements that I'm hopefully gonna, are gonna like give you an idea of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Sabbath. Uh, here we go. The Sabbath is a day that's blessed and holy and has the ability to produce more life. Or this, the Sabbath is a day that's lived slowly so I can notice what's going on in me and between me and God. The Sabbath is a day where I'm fully available to my family and friends. The Sabbath is a day where my email is closed and I'm not taking business calls. Or listen to this one, the Sabbath is a day to remember that the world goes on without me. That I'm not as important as I think. I remember that I live in a story and I'm not the main character. The Sabbath is an invitation from God himself to work like he works and rest like he rests. But, but when we don't take God's invitation uh, to rest, I think two things happen. Number one is this, we reject the rhythm that God has built into humanity. Uh, in fact, study after study after study after study will show us that rest is not just a preferred way of living. It's, an, it's like a biological necessity. And there is something specific to the cadence of six days of work and one day of rest. So that's number one. Number two is this, I believe we just become emotionally unhealthy. 
Uh, maybe it's for you, it's fatigue or exhaustion or burnout or stress or anxiety or a compromised immune system or lethargy or a slower mind or like feeling empty or even feeling disconnected from God. Um, and so it makes sense then that when you read the story of the Bible, that God does not suggest that you take a Sabbath, God commands the Sabbath. And I'm just going to be honest here for a split second. No, I, I try to be honest the whole time, but I'm going to pause and then get back to preaching. Kidding. Uh, I was concerned when I was thinking about doing this, uh, like I almost didn't include it. The reason is this, I, I didn't want to encourage lazy people. That's just the truth. Like, I think a lot of people like play video games for like, you know, four hours a day and they're like, thank God David says I get a day off. Not like, you know, in fact, I would say this, you probably need to work hard six days a week, just not seven. You need to work hard six days a week, just not seven. So I am not condoning being a lazy person. If you know me at all, you know that I'm a hardworking person and I'm constantly staying active, trying um, to be better. But uh, it's still true that Rest is not just um, a good idea, but it's something that is throughout the Bible. Exodus chapter 16, uh, if you've got your Bibles. Exodus 16, we're going to begin in verse 24. Uh, uh, or actually, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's start in 9. Um, this is what's known as the Exodus in the Bible. If you don't know the story, of course, you could uh, watch the movie Exodus starring Christian Bale. That guy's great. Moses and Batman. It's cool. Down with that. Of, co of course, you can like read the book of Exodus too, if you want to be old school. Uh, the Cliff Notes is essentially this. We find the uh, Israelites, this is God's people, we found them out in the desert, hundreds of thousands of people uh, without food and water. So these guys are anything but emotionally healthy. And so because of this, they, they grumble and they complain and they whine and they whimper and they say things like, God, we're dying in the desert. I can't believe you would leave us out here alone. And then uh, in verse nine, uh, this is what happens. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord. He has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord says to Moses, I have heard your grumbling. Uh, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Listen to this. That evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? That's actually a Hebrew word for manna. That's what it's called, manna, which just means, what is it? Uh, for they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given uh, you to eat. Um, and then skip down to verse 21. Each, and here's, here's, you guys probably know this if you know the story of the Exodus. Each morning, everyone gathered. They went out as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, though, this is unique, they gathered twice as much, two omers, that's like a unit of measurement, for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, um, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So this is an interesting idea, but this idea of holy, holy just means Holy just means dedicated to. So the Sabbath, the idea of a Sabbath is this. It's a day that's dedicated to God. And I just need to tell you that that's not the same thing as just a day off. Like a, like a day off is where, uh, you, you know, it's where you work, but you don't work for your employer, but you still work. You know what I mean? Like you pay the bills and you clean the yard and you go to the bank if you still do that kind of thing. Um, but you end up doing all the work that you don't get paid for. And, it's, and like a day off is a fantastic American tradition. We really like it. We love, in fact, I, I was reading, I, like I think this is true. I think Americans invent, invented like the weekend. You know what I mean? It's like we love 
just having a day off where we can finally get to work on, on other stuff. The Sabbath, though, is very different. The Sabbath is a day that is specifically dedicated uh, to God. And I know for a lot of you in this room that that's like a kind of a new idea. Um, and that's super okay. That's why, Mo, that's why Moses would come and he would teach his people how to get ready for the Sabbath because it's not something that we would naturally do. Verse 23, uh, let's just read the rest. He says this, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you wanna bake and boil what you wanna boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So basically he's saying this, like on the sixth day in preparing for the day that is dedicated to God, do all the cooking then. And boil, like boil, if you're into boil, like, you know, if you're into like veggie burgers, like do what you got to do and get ready and prepare for, um, prepare for the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. In fact, uh, John in the New Testament, he calls the sixth day. So it's the day before the Sabbath. He calls it the preparation day. And so for me, I just want to tell you really briefly, uh, of course, Jordan and mine, our Sabbath day is on Friday, all day Friday. I don't work. Uh, and so Thursday, I kind of have this ritual. I look at my calendar. I'm, I see where I'm at with my sermon. I see what's going on, what my calendar for the week is. Is there things that I need to be thinking of? First thing Saturday, like what am I doing? And then once I find like I'm okay and I've prepared, I close my laptop and I don't open it again until Saturday. That's for me. But it, it would be really hard if I just woke up on Friday and then I thought, oh my God, I can't open my, like I prepare, uh, prepare for Sabbath. And so I don't know what that looks like for you exactly, but maybe, maybe for you, like it's a time where you don't do schoolwork for 24 hours. Or maybe, maybe like you don't check your email all day or you don't clean the house all day or you don't schedule any meetings. Or you don't go to the gym or you don't read any business productivity books. Maybe it's like you end up putting the project off for a day. It's where, it's where you put your phone on do not disturb for 24 full hours, or maybe even worse, shutting it off. <laughs> it's saying no to the thousands of social gatherings that drain you, or maybe more specifically, drain your spouse. Um, and then in verse uh, 24 through 30, let's get into it. Uh, okay, continuing on in the story. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. So that's cool. <laughs> Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. So if you can imagine the story, they would go and gather like manna from the ground, but on the Sabbath, there wasn't any because God didn't want them working that day. And so they were to gather two amounts full, uh, both for Friday and for Saturday uh, in their particular case. Um, eat it today. Okay, six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, classic overachievers. <laughs> Do it anyway. But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath, that it is why, uh, that's why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Notice two statements in those scriptures. I wonder if you picked up on it. The first one is this, how long will you refuse to keep my commands? And the second one is this, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So maybe you could say it like this, that the Sabbath is a command, but it's also um, a gift. Uh, the, a criticism, I think, for a lot of people, especially kind of people who like grow up in evangelical uh, America, like we don't need any laws. Uh, I think the criticism will classically be this. There's no talk of the Sabbath in the New Testament. Um, they'll say, and so like the Sabbath is, the part, is a part of the law, which of course is not true. It was there millennia before. In fact, we haven't even gotten to the law yet. <laughs> All that we've, we've read, none of this is even up to the 10 commandment, uh, commandments. But it's true that uh, there is no command for Jesus' followers um, to follow the Sabbath. And so I, my personal opinion is this. I don't think that it is, um, I don't believe it's a command for you, but I believe it's still a gift for you. So it's not a command, but if you want to live an emotionally healthy life, I don't know if it's too bold for me to say, 
you should do this. It, for, for my wife and I, it was one of the most transformative things that we have done. We've been together for 15 years. And I'll say this, I believe that for my wife and I, when we started doing this, it was a notable shift. Like we can think of some of these big pieces in our life like this. When we started dating and we got engaged, that was like a big piece. And when we stopped being engaged and we started being married, that was also a big shift. Um, so there was a few of these, but really when we started doing this Sabbath thing and taking it pretty serious, it was a big um, shift for us. Uh, and so you don't have to do it. It's not like you're sinning if you don't. It's kind of like sleep. Like, you know, you don't have to get seven to eight hours of sleep, you know, a night if you don't want to. Um, I just feel bad for your spouse or your roommate or whatever. But it's not like you're sinning. Uh, same thing, it's like, you know, it's not a sin to drink seven cups of coffee a day. It's just stupid. It's just stupid to do it. Like, if you can't get, if you can't get the cup up to your mouth, it's like, take a break. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that number is for you. I do one. Some of y'all do like five or six, it's fine. But whatever it is for you. Um, I think the Sabbath, the Sabbath though, is not for us. It's not a command um, in the same way that it's a gift from the creator to the creation. And he knows how you're supposed to work. And if you don't follow it, it's not that he's mad at you. Um, it's just you're not being super smart. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of Christians, let's say, can we be honest and say the vast majority of Christians, like, I bet a lot of you have never even heard a teaching on the Sabbath. I don't think I ever had, like, growing up. I think I was, like, in 32-plus years of Christianity before I ever heard a teaching on the Sabbath. Um, and so I think a lot of Christians don't do this. And so the question might be this, why? Well, two reasons that I, I personally think. Number one is this, the Sabbath can seem kind of un-American, you know what I'm saying? It just seems weird, like, like that's not how we work. Like, we, we are achievers. You know, we built the airplane and the iPhone. Like, our culture rewards people who bust their butt every moment uh, of every day. It's the whole, like, work hard, play hard thing. Whatever we're doing, we're doing it to, like, 10. But there's no place ever for us to be, um, to, to, like, be at rest, and to take things um, slowly and to take it, to take it easy. Number, number two, I would say this. I think one of the reasons that Christians don't do this is because we misunderstand Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter two, if you're familiar with the gospels, um, the Sabbath for Jesus was the special day where he would always get in trouble. Y'all know that, right? Like if you know, it was like the story starts with it was the Sabbath. You know Jesus is about to do something to make everyone mad. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 23 and uh, 24 says this. One Sabbath, you know it's going to be good. Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to them, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So here's what's a little bit tricky. Um, it's like a slight challenge of Sabbath is this, that work can be a little bit ambiguous. You know what I mean? Like one man's work is another man's play, right? Or another man's rest. Uh, Josh Eden, he really likes to take long hikes. He'll come to the office and say, I hiked 16 miles uh, yesterday. So here's the question, is hiking work or rest? Work, I think it's work. <laughs> but for some people, like I just, it's the worst thing ever. Japanese water torture for me. If I ever get tortured, I'm in for a big surprise. Uh, it's horrible for me, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but for Josh, it might be super relaxing. It be, might be exactly what he needs. For us, it, it would be an opportunity for him to connect with God and connect with nature and to breathe in fresh air. I don't care about any of that. The nature part. I connect with God fine inside. Um, but you, so you can kind of see how it would be different for you is that like one person's Sabbath would look a lot different than another person's Sabbath. And that kind of flexibility does not work good for religious people. 
Um, That's why the Pharisees added, after the fact, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of rules about um, the Sabbath. The original rule was this, don't work, right? We read it. That's the whole rule. Don't work. Don't work on the seventh day. But then they added all sorts of things over the centuries. They added like, well, you can only walk a certain distance from your house. You can only carry a certain amount of weight on um, your back. And so along the way, I think their intentions were probably good, but they totally lost the point. And Sabbath stopped being something that was about rest and it became again about work. Where it was like something that they had to do and all these laws they had to um, obey. Verse 27 in Mark 2 says this, then he, this is um, Jesus, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man, this is Jesus' name for himself in the Bible, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Then verse three, uh, chapter three, verse one, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. So it's like a deformity. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Verse three, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So he's, this is classic Jesus, Sabbath. Verse four, then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to them, stretch out, stretch, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Which of course is just like what you do when Jesus does uh, a miracle. Um, but this is an interesting idea. But in the gospels, the majority of Jesus's healings happened on the Sabbath. Um, and I think that, in my opinion, I think that was, um, I think that was on purpose. And the reason I, I think you could, say it, you could say it like this, for Jesus, the Sabbath was a day for healing. For Jesus, the Sabbath was a day for healing. In fact, if you were to go in the first century, some of Jesus's best work was done on the Sabbath. And I would argue that that's still true today. I would argue that for you and your life, and how God works and moves and heals and restores and surprises and teaches and instructs, I would say this, that I believe that most of the time Jesus' best work is done on the Sabbath. It's done when you are at a place of rest instead of just a place of working and pushing through. All I'm saying is this. This is a pretty straightforward message. All I'm saying is this. Take a Sabbath. Like, I'm literally saying that to all of you. Take a Sabbath. Um, And it's not a day off. It's not a day off for you to just do all of your unpaid work. A Sabbath is a day that is set apart for God and for healing. It's a day in your life. It happens once per week. Once every seven days, there is a day that for you is set aside for you and for God and for healing. And you might be thinking, okay, when? Whenever works. Like any, whenever works for you. People get really crazy about it. In ancient Jewish culture, it was from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That was the idea. And there would be this 24-hour period. But for you, 2017, as your pastor, whenever works. Whenever it works uh, for you. In fact, Paul uh, says this in Romans chapter 14, verse five. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. Listen to this. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. So he's like, if you want to do it on Friday, do it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it is, whatever day works for you, find a day where you cease from your work. And you might be thinking like, you are insane. Um, but I, I just want you to um, think about it because it's really important. And for a lot of you in the room, I think a great Sabbath is Sunday. Um, where may, maybe this could be your schedule on a Sunday, like you take it easy and you sleep in if you're an outlet guy, you sleep in and you have breakfast and you spend time with your family, you come here to like the Lord's table, then you go home, you spend some more time with family and like maybe some time by yourself, like that's perfect. Uh, for me, 
Sunday is not my Sabbath. Sunday is a work day. In fact, Sunday is one of my hardest uh, work days. So for me, as I've told you, my day is Friday and my and Jordan's day is all day Friday. Uh, no need to be legalistic about it, just practical here. Like there's some days that it doesn't work because there's like, you know, a funeral or a wedding or a really important party or something like that and it just doesn't work. And so sometimes we're able to move it. Sometimes we'll move our Sabbath to Saturday and sometimes we won't do it at all. Sometimes we'll just miss it and we'll just be sad. Uh, <laughs> this past week, we missed it because Jordan was out of town, and so I tried to like not work. I didn't work, but I just laid around like a blubbering idiot, so I don't think that counts. Um, but some days, it doesn't work. You don't have to get really legalistic, but I would say this. Here's my one stipulation, if you would allow me to speak into your life. If you are married, try with everything that's on the inside of you to do it together. Find a time where you both can be um, at rest uh, together. When, when Jordan and I started this, again, maybe a year and a half ago, two years, something like that, it almost felt bad. It felt like we were being bad because we just said no. I was saying no to so much stuff. People were always wanting to hang out with me on Friday, and I was always just saying, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't. And like, uh, I was used to working on my sermon on Friday. I did that. I felt, I was feeling like really anxious about needing to get work done. Um, But uh, now, I'll say this, that me and Jordan, I've said it before, like, we look forward to Friday all week long. And as soon as Friday is over, we're looking forward to Friday again. It's just it's what we do, and if you'd allow me to say it like this, it's one of the places where our marriage flourishes on Friday, and it's sacred space for us. Um, and so uh, I'm about done. Super easy message. I don't want you to expect it to be easy. Like, um, it takes time to learn. It's kind of like, um, like a skill. Like if you wanted to play guitar, like you're not going to learn to just play guitar right away. You're not going to know how to like do that. You're not, it sounds so simple, but you're not going to know how to relax at first. Anybody ever gone on vacation and feel like it takes you like three days to even learn to like calm down? Well, that doesn't work because you don't get three days. You only get one. And so it takes time to learn to be, um, to be calm and to wake up and to rest. It just takes um, experience. The first time that you flip your phone on do not disturb, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel like you're being a bad friend the first time. You know, your friend has a birthday party. It's so great. That man is so cool. I know. I just can't. Like, you're going to feel, you're going to feel horrible, um, but it's uh, what you need to do. You might feel bored. You might feel anxious, but it is one of the beautiful blessings of God. And if you miss it, you're missing, you're missing a beautiful opportunity for God to meet with you. And that's the truth. You're me, you, you're, if you're just always going and you're missing on this thing that like the first thing God calls holy in the Bible is not space, but time. And if you just spend it working, you're missing out on one of the most beautiful things. So I just wanted to like give you a bird's eye view. Just, you know, yours will be different, but I just wanted to tell you kind of like what Jordan and I do to give you maybe an idea. And we're about done. Uh, so what we do is, again, Thursday night, I get on my computer, I see how my sermon is. At that point, it just is or isn't. Like, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm talking about. That's terror. Uh, but whatever it is, it's just over. And I close down the programs, I look at my calendar, I make sure everything's okay. And sometimes I'll even tell Jordan, I say, okay. And I close the laptop. And it's closed for, like, in our case, close to 36 hours which is a really long time when you have sometimes multiple sermons coming up uh, in a weekend. But I close it down, um, and we know that the day, that day, we're just taking it easy. And so we'll sleep in as much as we can. For my wife and I, it's 7.30. That's about what we can do. We can muster about 7.30, which isn't bad. I used to be able to sleep till like 1 a.m., p.m. Can you guys do that? So we'll wake up about 7.30, um, just take it easy, sleep in as much as we can. We will uh, get up together, and we will um, both, we'll just make coffee together. And so we'll do that, we'll get our little creamer, and we'll do all that, and then we'll go and sit, and we're cute. 
Back, back before we were trying to be healthy, we used to do whipped cream on the coffee. I think that was a, my dad's habit. Okay, yeah, he says no. Uh, don't buy it. Um, but we'll go and we watch a show. We've got a few different shows that we like to watch on Friday, uh, Friday morning. We'll watch, we'll watch like a 40-minute show. And then at that point, we know this is what we do. We um, go to the app on our, um, on our TV and we look at what movies are showing because my wife is a huge movie buff. And as weird as that sounds, like to think that Jordan and I could watch a movie at some point other than Friday is hilarious because we're working all the time. There is never, a t- like, it's absurd to think that we could see a movie any other time, but we love watching a movie, so we'll see. We'll see what the, the movie time is. We'll decide, okay, we're going, to, we're going to Cottonwood at 12.50 or whatever, and so we're gonna do it, and then we'll go, we'll get in the car, we'll do a lunch. This is the only time that my wife and I pretty much, yeah, without exception, just about, it's the only time that Jordan and I will eat at a restaurant, just the two of us, for the week. There's just no time. There's no time for us. But we'll do that, uh, and then we'll go to the movie. Oh, we go to a candy store. We love this little candy store at Cottonwood. We'll buy our little candy in our little bags, and then we'll go to a movie. Watch our movie. We'll head back home, and uh, we'll oftentimes have like a little bit of alone time there. Maybe, maybe read, maybe play a game, whatever we want to do. And then we'll get together back uh, for dinner. Uh, we might walk the dogs. We might just go for a walk. We might spend some time in the sunroom. But what, we're, what we both know that we're not allowed to do is work, and that's unpaid or otherwise. So we put the dishes in the sink, and that's just what we do, because they will be there tomorrow. Believe me. We don't work. It's just our day off. It's, it's, it's not just a day off of work from your employer. It's a day of rest. And as weird as it sounds, me and Jordan spending time together as a married couple is one of the ways that we honor God. And so whatever that looks like for you, maybe you're single and so it would look completely different. Maybe for you it would look like time. Um, it just, when you work in the ministry, life is weird. You know what I mean? You end up doing things that seem like they would be recreational, but it's your job. And so you end up having to be opposite. So, um, so we take a break. It might be totally different for you. You might be in the workforce and then what your Sabbath might look like would be a time where you wake up and you read the Bible and you pray, and you walk, but what you don't do um, is work. And I just tell you, I don't, I will just keep giving my own story, but for me and Jordan, it is one of the most meaningful things that's in our marriage. It's, it's the time when she and I, we connect, we talk, we have each other's undivided attention, and we laugh together, we play games together, and that doesn't happen any other time of the week. And there was a time in our marriage where it didn't happen. But now there is this sacred time for us to be together. It's a day dedicated to God, and it's a day dedicated to healing. Uh, Walter uh, Brueggemann, he's an Old Testament scholar. He's brilliant. He says this, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. So the Sabbath is this 24-hour period sometime in the week, but if it's done correctly, it changes not just that one day, but it changes all seven days. It, it affects you in your ability to rest. It affects you in your ability to relax. I would even say it like this. It affects you in your ability to hear God. And not just, um, not just on that one day, but all week. Uh, you learn to live in the spirit of rest even when you're at work. Even when you're working and striving and sweating you're still doing it at a place of rest. That's one of the things that the Sabbath teaches you how to do. And that's just what I want for my life. That's just who I, like, I don't want to be the type of person who's just living their life so frantically and chaotically that like, I I can't hear God. Like, that's just not who I, that's not the marriage that I want. I don't want the marriage that's just going so fast all the time that we never connect. Like, that's not, that's not how I want to raise kids. I don't want to raise kids that just buy into the classic American, you just have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, otherwise you're going to be a failure thing. That's just not who I want to be. And that's not what I want for you as my church family. So I know it's, in a lot of ways, it's a big ask. And I know you might have to like think about it, um, look at your calendar, talk to your spouse, but I would say this, if you would even... Um, if you would think about it, not more than giving it a shot, but deciding 
that it's something that's important and it's something that you'll figure out. Even if maybe you're in a season right now, like I was even thinking about my best friend, Jesse, like he's getting ready to start the police academy. Like he might not be able to do it for a while. That's okay. But hopefully he'll be able to do it sometime. You know what I mean? Like soon, that it will become, it it will be a way of life uh, for him soon. Uh, We're gonna get ready for our communion as we close. Uh, My closing idea is this. There is, there is a day that's blessed and there is a day that's holy. And there's a rhythm that's on the inside of your body. And in fact, there's a rhythm that's in the fabric of the world. And it's this work, then rest, work, then rest, work, then rest. And in this holy day, God is waiting for you there. If you're ever wondering like, where is God? He might be waiting for you in rest. You might find him if you would slow down long enough to listen if you would learn to live your life in a way that you're not always achieving, you're not always cleaning, you're not always checking it, whatever it is, if you live your life in a way to where you have some downtime, you might be amazed that that's where God is. You might find him in the still small voice that as Americans especially, we're not able to hear when we're just going, 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 going. And as they pass uh, communion, I just want you to take a minute, which is really hard, but if you could just find in your own life, like find a minute, if you could even just to rest. I know it's excruciating. I think for a lot of people, like our lives are so hectic that it's hard to even pause, um, even for a short time and to breathe and to listen, but just find yourself in that place. Whatever's going on in your brain right now, maybe you're thinking about like what you're gonna do after this. Maybe you have to go to work or whatever. But just, just find a way to rest and know that on the other side of rest, all your issues are still gonna be there waiting for you. You know what I mean? But if you can meet with God now, you might be more equipped to deal with them then. So just find a way, um, if you can, just in this minute as they pass, to find your way to rest and then we'll receive communion together.
this is the invitation. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. So come to the table. Let me pray for you. Uh, Jesus Christ, I just pray for my brothers and sisters in here tonight. Such beautiful lives. And I just pray that you would help us learn how to enter into your rest. We live in a culture that's not conducive to hearing you and a a culture that's not conducive of, of being with you. And so we pray that you would continue to show us and reveal to us this beautiful gift of a Sabbath, a day set apart for you and a day set apart for healing. I pray that you would give us the courage to go for it and to try. And no matter, I know it's going to look so different for different people, single people, couples without kids, couples with kids, couples with grandkids. It's all going to look super different. But we pray that you would give us the desire to meet with you in the beauty of silence, in the beauty of calm. We want to be people who work like you work and rest how you rest because we want to be healthy. We want our marriages to be successful. We want, we want to love our kids and we want our kids to love us. Uh, we want to be good friends and we want to be good employees. And we know that all comes down to us being healthy. So I just pray that as we continue in the series to look at what's going on on the inside of us, that you would reveal to us the areas that we need to grow and in the areas that we need to heal. Create us into people that are are images of you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that. And tonight, Lord Jesus, we remember your death, we proclaim your resurrection, and we await your return. We remember your death, we proclaim your resurrection, and we await your return. So let's eat the bread and drink from the cup together.